And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. And here is G.I. Joe with Kung Fu Grip. G.I. Joe has hands that grip. Fingers you hold open and let close. Hands that hold on with a Kung Fu Grip. The grip you help Joe use in self-defense. G.I. Joe with Kung Fu Grip. The hands that grip. We've gathered here tonight around the fire as people of all lands have gathered for thousands and thousands of years before us to share the light and to share a story. An amazing story, as old as time itself, but still being written. It's me, Santa. Come closer. Come on in. Have, have a seat on old Santa's lap. Don't be shy. Oh, there you go. Usually on Storytellers, you got Scott Gardner and Chris Honeywell blabbing on for hours and hours and hours and some boring story. This time, we've got little Brian Hughes from the Third Degree Burn podcast and the Walking Dead podcast with a nice short and sweet story of Christmas. Ho, ho, ho! Ho, ho, ho! Speaking of short and sweet, what are you, what are you doing later? This right here is is my story, and it's nobody else's. But there's so many bits and pieces that go into it. Um, for instance, uh, and, and I'll start off by telling you, you know, a little bit kind of other stuff that happened that made me think about this because I'd forgotten about this story for the longest time. I'd forgotten what had happened for the longest time, and it's like what you're saying. You don't remember that exact moment when you when you realized, hey, it's not real. But, you know, the thing was, in, in 1996, I was married uh, to my first wife, who I'm not married to anymore. And um, my brother Scott had uh, called me up and, and he wanted to talk because he had a big problem. And so he and I met somewhere for lunch and we're talking. And he goes, are you familiar with the Power Rangers? And I'm like, well, you yeah, I don't, I don't watch them or anything, but yeah, I'm familiar with them. And he goes, well, my son Raleigh wants a deluxe Megazord for Christmas. And I'm like, okay, so? And he goes, well, you, you can't find him anywhere. By the time he told us, we've been looking around everywhere. We can't find one. And it's supposed to be some $40 toy. Can't find him anywhere. And... Um, he, he tells me, you know, it's like I, I asked Raleigh. I said, you know, well, Raleigh, what if we can't find it? And he goes, well, that's okay. Santa will get it for me. And the moment Scott said that, it was like I got hit in the back. I couldn't breathe. You know, when, when you fall down and hit your back and you're just like, <gasps> you know, it just it just hit so hard. 
And I remembered saying that exact same thing to my parents when I was younger. And I'm like, if it's in my power, I will help you find this toy. And, you know, so it's like, I just, it just got me thinking about that. And so it's like, I was, I was telling my friends what had happened when I was a kid. And so everybody was trying to help me find this thing. And it was crazy how we, how things turned out on that. But it takes me back to early 70s and how things went for me. Now, I, I, I don't know how you are about Christmas, and I'm going to go ahead and go right into this. But Christmas is has always been my favorite time of year. And I, I always get that, that wonderful feeling, you know, whenever the music is playing and you got a fire going – and right now I run Netflix with the fireplace with the music on up on the big TV in the living room pretty much all day long. Do you do anything like that? No. Or do you, do you, do you... <laughs> <laughs> no, there's do you, no tree in, in my house. No, my, my, my housemate and I, I don't not like Christmas. I do not like Christmas carols for the most part. Not carols, but Christmas mm-hmm. songs. Christmas music drives me up the wall after about 10 or 15 minutes, except for a few. There's a few songs that I really like, and then when I hear them, and and all the basic Christmas songs, I like hearing them once around Christmas time, and they evoke the feelings. Not a very Christmassy guy, but I'm not <laughs> against, against it. You know, I mean, like if you saw our house, it would be to, to decorate our house for Christmas would be almost like ridiculous. <laughs> And it would be such a pain in the ass to take it down. It would probably just never get taken down. There's literally, there's no place to put a tree in our house without completely stifling all movement or uh, access <laughs> yeah. to, to, to important parts of the house. Um, yeah, so yeah, you, you've got sort of the... I always end up as sort of the polar opposite on any kind of Christmas show we ever do. Oh, I mean, in our house, it's an art. My, my wife, she's got just the the Christmas tree has to be put up a certain way in a certain spot, and she sits and tries to rethink it every year, but always winds up going to the same spot. And uh, just the lights, she's always got candles going to make the house smell like a cinnamon apple, whatever. And that that's also something that that adds to that ambiance that I just love. And because it, it reminds me of when I was a kid, because my mom did the same thing. And then outside, we've got just, it's actually a small amount of decorations. We've got two large wood standees, one of Mickey Mouse in a Santa suit with a bag of toys over his shoulder, and one of Minnie uh, in, the, in the Mrs. Claus outfit. And she's got a gift and all that. And it's something my brother actually made about 20, 25 years ago. No. And then he, he gave to me. What are you in? You're you're in Texas, right? Yeah, yeah, we're in Texas. Yeah, so you have no snow right now. <laughs> no snow. Yesterday it got down to like 37. That's the coldest we've had all year. So you could and, conceivably have snow. Yeah, we we we've gotten snow uh, as early as uh, middle of November, and uh, I mean sometimes we've had a couple of white Christmases. Uh-huh. But the only time that we typically get snow or ice, and ice is what what typically hits, is whenever something big is going to happen. Like, say, there's going to be a Super Bowl here. Uh, (laughs) 
when Jerry Jones opened that that stadium to the Super Bowl a couple years back, we actually had a four-day ice blizzard that froze the whole Metroplex and turned it into just a, a, a block of nothing. Because in Texas, if you get a half an inch of snow, the state the state shuts down. It's done. Yeah. Yeah. Done. Done. It done. Is, it is, is done. I love getting out on that. Well, number one, because I, I can drive pretty well on that stuff, and it always makes me think of like Mad Max or something to drive around along the road when the snow is sitting there blowing through the air and there's no one else out on the road. But, you know, that's just me. <laughs> um, you see, I think with me, I peaked with the child. I think, I, I think with me, it was best to quit while I was ahead because I had this, much as I talk shit about Carthage, New York, where Scott Gardner and I grew up, stuff like Christmas time, in northern New York, in Carthage, New York, which was, you know, had stretches of it that were the Norman Rockwell small town. Yeah. You did get that just iconic, stereotypical, you know, every year at Christmas there was a couple feet of snow, there were candy canes hung up down Main Street that were all, you know, everything was very, you know, there's a manger set up and there's snow all around it it was it was like out of a you know out of a retro movie or something you know it was yeah it was it was that 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 experience so you know i i I was lucky to have that you know i mean we would go on we would go to our um the our friend the mysic's house and they would get out their sleigh and their horses and we'd go on a sleigh ride and yeah. Jingle bells on the on the reins and everything, you know, the whole nine yards. See, that's awesome. See, I I was born in Minnesota. Oh well, yeah. You so you got some winners. I've I've yeah. spent some time in up in International Falls, Minnesota. Yeah, well, see, I was born in Minneapolis, and uh, we lived there for a few years. And we had my mom's family lived in Rushford, which is basically Smallville. Right, uh, right. It's a it's a valley. Almost all of except for Minneapolis, St. Paul is almost Smallville. Yeah, it seems like it, it, it's a, a little valley town about twenty minutes out of Winona, just uh, not not too far from the Wisconsin border, and that was just one of those idyllic Norman Rockwell type towns mm-hmm. to be at, and it was great to be there at Christmas because it just had the perfect ambiance. You felt like you were at the North Pole. And when I was about five, though, my dad moved us from uh, Minnesota to New Hampshire because my father, he was an engineer and he worked uh, in the late 60s. He worked for, uh, well, he, he worked on the Apollo missions. He worked, he uh, designed the control panels for the lunar excursion module in Apollo 8. But it was in New Hampshire where, where all this happened. That's where I got the most crushing blows that life can deal out to a child and they all happened in two days now living in new hampshire you know the house was really really cool it was a two-story house with a basement a full basement underneath and uh my dad of course he was working for honeywell my mom was was working as a housewife then and when when she when we got to texas she worked in retail and she was a, a area sales manager for dillard's for a number of years pretty successful in what she was doing but back then, she, she was just working on, on raising us to get us into grade school. And um, so at that point, 
I believe Scott, Matt, and Michelle were already in school, and I was the only one that was home all the time. So I was the one that wreaked havoc. I was the one that broke furniture. I was the one that, you know, got lost. Never happened to any of the others. It only happened to me. So I was young enough, though, at the time that I believed everything that they told me, okay? I believed in Santa, the Easter Bunny, the Tooth Fairy, and that every Thursday was my special day. See, I got to pick whatever, you know, mom would make for dinner, and my dad always brought me some cool toy, you know, some just for me. The way it worked was Monday was Scott's day, Tuesday was Matt's day, Wednesday was Michelle's day, and Thursday was my day. And that's how Thursday became known as Biscetti Night, because I made my mom cook spaghetti for me any time I got to pick. Nice. I was lasagna. So we were both pasta, pasta lovers. Yeah, I am. I am a huge pasta lover, and I had the pasta gut for many, many years. I finally got rid of it, though. I still eat a lot of pasta, but I figured out how to get rid I of the love, weight. Love of the pasta. <laughs> this this one year, though, this is our last year in New Hampshire too. Thanksgiving had just passed, and so once Thanksgiving passes, of course, Christmas is on its way, and we have this tradition that we did where. My dad would tell all of us kids to write down our Christmas list to Santa. And I do this today with my own son. And so we'd write up our Christmas list. And then once we had them done, my dad would start up a fire in the fireplace. And he and my mom would read the list. And then they would put them in the fireplace saying that the smoke from the list would take the list up to Santa at the North Pole. And uh, so, you know, we would all do that. And this one year in question, uh, I only put one item on my Christmas list. And that item was G.I. Joe with Kung Fu Grip. Do you remember that guy? Oh, yeah. I mean, you oh, know, it's yeah. like... Now, this is not like a lot of times, you know, I... Um, uh, I mean, I, I'm guessing you might be a little older than me. Yeah, I, I turned fifty this year. Okay, so you're two years two years older than me. Yeah. So, or a little less than two years older than me. But yeah, we're talking original GI Joe. Yes. Or, or, or even it's it's uh, kind of like second wave GI Joe because I think the original was like in the fifties or something. No, like the the, the first GI Joe was in sixty five. Sixty five. So Has yeah, okay. So it only been around like five ten years. Yeah. Yeah, they they actually coined the term action figure. In describing G.I. Joe, because so there was another be doll. Well, yeah, because well, there was another one out there. It was called Action Hero mm -hmm. that came out at the same time. He was about he was 13 inches tall, the same size as the six million dollar man ones that came out later. Mm -hmm. um, and but they they marketed it as a doll and it was made of foam rubber. So it was actually a, a doll that you could dress up in college football uniforms and other stuff like that, you know. But it didn't really sell like the GI Joe because GI Joe was an action figure, right? Because yeah. you just uh, the, just the way you described it, it's a doll that you could dress up <clears throat> right there. <laughs> as soon as the words "dress up" and "doll" are, are put into a 1973 boy's head, <clears throat> no. Yeah, but this was about 71, so it was about six years after the GI Joes came out, and it was a time when they were really starting to mix things up a little bit because. When they first came out, they had the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, and I think it was a while before they started doing the really cool stuff like the scars and right. the talking ones and yes. and all that, you know, and the different variations of hair, hair color, and that and whatnot, and the beard. Well, 
I wanted G.I. Joe Kung, oh, and Kung Fu Grip, yes. I wanted G.I. Joe so bad that, you know, they're like, well, you know, is there anything else we can get you? What else would you like? I said, nothing, just G.I. Joe Kung Fu Grip. And my mom said, well, you know, what if I can't find it? And I said, well, that's okay. Santa will get it for me. And I can't truly remember the look on her face when I said that, but I'm thinking it looked an awful lot like my own face when Dr. Cole checked my prostate last year. <laughs> and that's not a happy face. You think he was trying to touch my uvula. Yes. <laughs> Discom- now, discomfort. <laughs> You'll, you're going to feel a little bit of discomfort and pressure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. You know, though, I, I remember hearing about the Cabbage Patch runs back in the 80s mm-hmm. and how parents were tearing apart stores trying to find that ugly as hell doll. Mothers and, punching each other in the face. And I remember in the 90s, the late 90s, when the Furbies came out and the Beanie Babies and mm-hmm. all that. I remember those runs. I don't remember that there was a run on the G.I. Joes, but apparently there was. You know, you, you were talking earlier about how you don't refer to a G.I. Joe as a doll. One other bit of information to give out is that, and this is for the parents out there, if you can't find the exact toy that your child wants, don't get them the next best thing. Change categories and start over. Yep. If they... you can't if, if you can't find the action figure, get them a motorbike. You gotta remember when you're a kid and you like something, your focus is laser focus. Okay. Your parents, you just have to go back and regress, some of us less than others, to that point where you just remember, you're not going to fool that kid into Mm -hmm. thinking that something that's of a lesser quality or the different quality is that thing that they wanted. They know every detail about it. They know what it looks like. The the second they pull that wrapper off and the and the corner is the wrong color, they're gonna know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, see, this brings us to the first crushing blow. <laughs> all right, it was Christmas Eve, and my brothers and I we all slept in one room, and my sister got her own room, which sucks. But um, we were in our room. We're supposed to be in bed, supposed to be sleeping, and everything. I was standing on my bed, looking out the window, trying to see Rudolph. And because you think you'd see him from the shiny red nose, all I could see was the red light blinking from the radio tower a couple miles down that I thought was Rudolph. Anyway, um, it was a real clear, clear, crisp night. And while it was the beginning of winter, we hadn't had any snow up to that point, which is really odd in New Hampshire. And I was just beginning to think that we weren't going to have a white Christmas. At that point, I looked down, and I was just in time to see my father and our neighbor from across the way, Mr. Cowan, carrying a box of a train set across the street towards our house. Now, I didn't say anything. I I, I didn't want my brothers to think there might not be a Santa. So I laid back down in my bed, and I waited. Now different from other families, at least as far as I understood it. Uh, our family came out just after midnight to open our Christmas presents. My, my dad said that this was because we're so much closer to the North Pole that Santa got us there sooner. Uh, years later, I, I, I kind of found out how things actually worked, though. 
because what would go on is they'd get us in bed about 8 o'clock. And because it's Christmas Eve, we're all so excited and everything. We're going to go to bed and get in there and try and be quiet and not do anything because we want, you know, Santa to get there. And so my parents would pull out the wine, pull out the brandy, and they would cook up a bunch of oysters and other seafood that they get from the fish market. Because since we lived like an hour north of Boston, you get seafood super, super cheap up there. And... Um, but my parents did this every year, and this was a tradition they had. And it was also a tradition that there would always be somebody else involved. This year, it was our neighbors, the Cowans, Mr. and Mrs. Cowan. They were a young couple. They didn't have any kids. They spent Christmas with us. And so they spent that night, you know, sitting there helping my parents, you know, wrap everything and whatnot. And they took part, and they got a bunch of Christmas gifts for them and all that. Um, but I also, you know, understand that... They did this. They would wake us up at midnight, say Santa's here, we come out. They did this to wear us out so that once we're you know, done opening presents, playing them until a little bit, maybe three, four in the morning, we'd all go back to sleep and sleep a good part of the day away so they could get plenty of rest. Mm -hmm. That was smart. <laughs> Rather than what the rest of us would do as little kids is wake them up at the crack of dawn exactly. 5 a.m. Yeah. Well, we all came downstairs and I remember seeing that we actually did this in the basement and we had a ping pong table that nobody ever played. But my, my dad was actually a champion ping pong player when he was younger. And so we always had a ping pong table. But uh, the train set was sitting on the ping pong tables and it had the note that said to Scott and Matt from Santa. And that was it. The lie was over. There is no Santa Claus. I got to say, though, I was kind of relieved, though, because I knew my parents understood exactly what I wanted, and I figured G.I. Joe was on his way. So now I don't know about you, but my mom made it a Christmas tradition that every year, no matter what, no matter what else I got, I always got a good stock of socks and underwear. Mm -hmm. Yep. So for so for 47 years. I got socks and underwear every Christmas, enough to keep me going for the year. Now I think I'm down to my last three pairs of socks because I have to wash every couple days. So hopefully my sister or my dad or somebody will get me some Gonna come for Christmas. Through, yeah. It, yeah. Anyway, um, but included with the socks and the underwear, there was candy, there was clothes, but there was a uh, shoebox wrapped really, really nice with a bow on it. And I did, like all of the kids, I rip it open with reckless abandon. And, you know, I got to say, though, my parents were really good about the way they wrap gifts because they knew we were going to just rip it right off. So they didn't stare and do this fine-tuned wrapping like mm -hmm. my, my daughter Sarah does. Sarah will make it so that there is no place for your fingers to get purchase anywhere on the package that you have to take a knife to it to Don't open you feel it up. bad just, unwrapping like... stuff like that? You almost want to, like, you almost want to take a knife to it and, like, carefully open it and then like lay it <laughs> you know keep it as intact as possible <laughs> I, I don't feel so bad myself now my wife on the other hand is a pack rat that thinks you can save anything mm -hmm. yeah she's she's the one that wants to find some way of saving it so I, I let her try that me nah I just I just nope get the knife make sure it doesn't bleed <laughs> 
We had a, we had a but, wood stove at our house, so we just used our old wrapping paper to start the fire. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Now, now um, our dog, we've got a, a Shih Tzu, and he's about nine years old at this point, too. And he just loves Christmas. He loves to just get into, into the wrapping and just tear at it. Yep. And he'll spend a good hour just playing in the wrapping paper before we end up picking it all up and putting in a trash bag. Well, they're also but, picking uh, up on the enthusiasm of everybody, too. So it's just like yeah. a riot. Yeah, our dogs are always like that, too. Yeah, I don't know how this Christmas is going to go because we got a second dog this year. We just we rescued a little uh, long-haired terrier from uh, at, a, at a Petco. Uh, Amazon.com actually subsidized the animal shelter here so we went in there and this is one of christopher's christmas gifts uh and he's already gotten it but you know he begged and begged and begged and said he'd take care of it and, and everything so we went in there and okay well this is the dog he wants and it's uh, she's about five years old and she's tiny she's no bigger than the shih tzu and uh she, you know they, they fixed them they microchipped them gave them all the shots and everything and it was completely free, and they gave us a big bag of dog food to go wow. along with it. Yeah, that's awesome. So subsidized by just, Amazon. Subsidized by Amazon, yeah. yeah. And so they're going from town to town and doing this. So you know it was a pretty good deal, and it worked out worked out good for us. She's a good little dog, all housebroken, um, incredibly well mannered. Uh, just she is an alpha though, so she kind of pushes the Shih Tzu around a little bit. Right. Yeah, but, but, but beyond that, they get along pretty well otherwise, but every now and then she'll just kind of bump them, you know? <laughs> it's, it's it's like like you're watching a prison yard, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> punk, punk the but, other one right down. Yeah. So, I like watching, like, when you have a cat and a dog in a house and they, and they sort of fight each other for the high ground. Yeah. Either one will rest till the other one's like a foot higher, that you know, a few inches higher yeah. than the other one. Uh, I couldn't do that. I'm so allergic to cats, my face would explode. I'm really uh, allergic that... to cats, but I love cats so much that if I have a pet one, I take I take the month of of horrible allergies before I like I I usually will uh, acclimatize to a cat or a dog after a while. Dogs too. I would have really bad allergies with a dog too, but. It's like a month, yeah. and I and I would be like, all right, I got to muscle through this month, and then I can <laughs> snuggle with my all, pal. All, all I know is that that was what told me that my first wife and I were not going to last when she bought a cat. Uh, <laughs> about two years in, she bought a cat, and I'm like, okay, that sends a clear message. But, and it, <laughs> it's fairly hostile, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and and you know the cat would make this sound. It sounds like you're unwrapping a, a thing of masking tape by whipping it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it goes, you know, just good gosh. Anyway, back to um, my my Christmas gift. Like I said, it was a, a a box wrapped up in a bow, and I opened it up, and inside there was this action figure, clad in camouflage. He had several weapons at his side to do bodily damage with. And there was a little index card, handwritten, and it introduced him as Action Jack. And the card went on to talk about his adventures and, and everything. And I, I was fortunate that I learned to read uh, at a pretty young age. I, my mom actually taught me to read when I was four, and that's part of my comic book origin, which I've gone over on Third Degree Burn. So if, wow, if you want to know about that, just... my, my grandparents taught me to read at four. 
oh, cool. Yeah, well, it was a comic book that forced my mom to teach me to read. It was a Batman comic book, in fact. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, so here I was, you know, got this action jack thing. I didn't get my G.I. Joe. And I was just like, okay, so they couldn't find G.I. Joe. I'll deal. Um, the real blow, though, was that it wouldn't hit until later that day. And, you know, though, thinking back, while I did get other toys at Christmas, I don't remember any of them. This is all I remember. I mean, I remember Scott and Matt getting the, the train, but I don't remember any of the other toys or anything. Yeah, there's matter. a lot tied up in Action Jack, though. That's why it's sticking in the, the memory, you know? it's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, so even with us staying up so late, I got up real early in the morning because, you know, by about like eight or nine, my friends are already all outside showing off their toys to everybody. So you got to get out there. And so I went out there and I brought my action jack with me. And as I got there, I, I recall seeing a couple G.I. Joes and even an Atomic Man. Do you remember him? You know, I have a vague... You know, I think I have a recollection of seeing Atomic Man at a garage sale and not knowing yeah, what see, it was, but Scott McGregor was with me and was like, that's Atomic Man. But, yeah. yeah, I don't remember Atomic Man from when I was a kid. I See, I just remember hearing the name Atomic Man. I cannot visualize it for, for the life of me. But, you know, beyond all that, this one older kid from up the block, his name was Andre Normandin. He looked over my action figure and he, you know, he asked what it was. And I said, it's Action Jack. And he rips it out of my hands and kind of, let me see this. And he looked it over carefully for a few moments. He pulls down his pants and looks at his butt. And then he holds it up, pants down, for, for everybody to see. And he goes, look, it's Safari Ken. Oh. <laughs> yeah. My, uh, my dad bought a Ken doll. A doll, as in not for a boy. <laughs> he took that doll and he dressed it up in camouflage fatigues and he even got some little plastic guns to put in there. But there's really no way to hide the unmoving joints, the painted right. on hair and that stupid smirk. Yes. And there's also no way to hide the Mattel letters that are on Ken's butt. And that's what Andre was looking for. Now, now the question is... How did this kid know so much about Ken? In the he had place? a sister. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He had a sister. Now, again, I am, what, five, six, five or six at this time. But even I knew that his sister was hot. I mean, my brothers, who Matt was three years older than me, Scott's five years older than me, and uh, they knew she was hot. And... Anyway, so she was the hot girl on the block. Anyway, but, um, yeah, he had a sister. She had the Barbie dolls, and she wanted to be a Barbie doll and all that. So, yeah, that's how he knew what that was. And, well, let's just say, kids are cruel, all right? Humiliation as an adult lasts as long as it takes to laugh something off with your friends. Yep. Humiliation as a child can last a lifetime, though kids they don't know how to lay off someone the the, the humiliation you need the, the 
like to have something as crushing like almost anything could be crushing humiliation as a kid that you're going to dwell on for god knows how long but in order to reach that level of humiliation as an adult it would have to be like on a national tv scale <laughs> you know what i mean yeah <laughs> to, to make me yeah. feel like well i have a high humiliation <laughs> um threshold Thresh anyway threshold. <laughs> but uh <laughs> You know, I mean, I would, yeah, I would have to, my pants would have to drop, like, while I was on, accepting an award on television or something for, yeah, actually, you know what, I would get over that fairly quickly as an adult now, oh. but, you know. Have you watched Dark, have you watched Dark Mirror? Not yet, I, I remember, I think I've seen the series, Did it was based on the British series, it was like 10 yeah, years ago. The, right, where the, the British PM was forced to have sex with a pig on TV. Yes. Do you, do you remember that? Yes. I'm, that, I'm trying to remember it, the name of it. Charlie Brooker, I think, wrote it, was yeah. the guy. But but wouldn't wouldn't that humiliate you enough? Yes, that would be... That, <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, and that and that is how you feel as a kid when any, you know, when anything happens. Yeah, is, but, you know, humiliation as a kid, that's one emotion that every kid out there is going to feel at some point in, in, in mm -hmm. their childhood. Mm -hmm. In my case, I limped home. Now, years later, I saw Louis Anderson talk about this on his cartoon, and he was right. We do this. And I, I still, it's hard to wrap my head around that, that you, know, you sit there and think about it because you don't think about it. But there was nothing wrong with my legs, but here I was limping home anyway. And subconsciously, I guess I was thinking I did it so that if my mom saw me from the window, she'd know that something was wrong. So I, I don't know if that made me theatrical or just made me a kid, but that's you well, know what I did. Yeah, kids are yeah. theatrical. <laughs> yeah, I've I, you know my favorite thing is watching a kid that doesn't know if anybody's watching him and watching <laughs> yes. him fall down and like just do the most incredible face plant on the ground. You see their head <laughs> bounce back up and they look up. And they look around, and if they don't see anybody else there, they just toddle about their bit. If there's an adult anywhere with an eye shot, and they see it, it's just like. Bruh! Anytime I see a kid fall, anytime I see a kid that's about to do that, I go, "Wow, that was cool." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a good. Yeah, yeah. I, I do that to my son all the time, and I tell you, it saves you gallons of tears mm -hmm. <laughs> instead of oh my god oh my god oh my god yeah anyway um shortly after that um my parents had to deal with my dad actually got his job in texas and so we had to pack up and and move here that means they had to sell a house buy a house he had to carry the family of six and a beagle cross country in a 67 buick skylark two-door it was a coupe and I'm still trying to figure out how he fit all four of us in the dog in the back seat. National we only have Lampoon one accident. Vacation style. <laughs> uh, you know that that movie was it just felt like part of my life. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> but my birthday rolled around the following February, and my parents showed that they carried a huge burden of guilt over what happened at Christmas. Not only did I get GI Joe. And he had Kung Fu Grip. 
He had the fuzzy hair. He had the beard. He had the cool scar on his cheek, and he could talk. Oh, you got, got the talking GI Joe. <laughs> I got the talking GI Joe. That lasted for about three months. That worked for about three months. You, and lucky. then it stopped working. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I also got the tank, and I got this weird moon landing base that had a radar station on top and everything that Joe could go and sit in and do stuff yeah. at. And it was really, really cool. And the neighborhood kids were all really, really envious to me. But, of course, we'd moved away from the kids that mocked me in the first place, so I, I didn't get to show it to any of them. Not Andre, who discovered my parents' ruse. Not Danny and David, the twins next door, laughed every time they saw me. And until we moved. And then there was little Scotty Orbison across the street. He felt so bad for me that he gave me his hot dog. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. That, I, I, yeah. Today that would be a bad metaphor. But back then it was it was a kindness. <laughs> yeah, that would be something you would confide with your psychiatrist the, the, the day that Scotty Orbison gave me his hot dog. Yeah. <laughs> but now, so years later... Um, my brother tells me this story about Raleigh and the Deluxe Megazord. And I'm like, oh, crap. I've, I've got to find this. I've got to find this. I can't let him go through what I went through. And so I tell my wife, uh, Rachel, about this. And she says, well, let's uh, let's you know check all the, the conventions and stuff. Because they always have the dealer's rooms. And it's always full of a lot of really, really cool stuff. And you never know what you're going to find there. And there was a, a a convention coming in. I think it was a Creation Con, and Adam West, Adam West, and Van Williams, uh, who just passed away, a guy that played Green Hornet, mm-hmm. were, were were a couple of the guests at this convention. And uh, Julia Schwartz was there, I think. And uh, but it, they, they had a lot of good guests. But Adam West was was the the, the one notable. Because uh, I had just read his book, Back to the Bat Cave. And uh, so while we were at the convention and we were going to look around for the toy, I actually got to go up and talk to him for a few minutes. And I went up to him and I said, I I just got to ask you, is the Madrid story true? And he just busted out laughing, and he says, "Unfortunately, every minute of it is true." Are you? Have you heard Adam West Madrid story? I have. No, I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, the the moral of the story is, don't go drinking with Frank Gorshin, the guy that plays the Riddler. Uh huh. Because he was the mad party animal. He was the Pete Hesh. He was the guy so, that would get so you. Oh, so the lesson trouble. is, do go drinking with Frank Gorshin. <laughs> Because they started out, uh, they'd gotten out of the studio and they went out for a night on the town. And he doesn't know exactly how it wound up. Of course. But they they wound up in Madrid. And he was in a bar at a hotel and he met this incredible woman. And they danced and they drank and they had fun and they wound up back in her room. And when he goes for the Donald Trump move. Oh, did he meet her at a pub to the old cow club where they drank champagne and it tastes just like cherry cola? <laughs> you got it. Oh. It was a Lola. He got the, the, the crying game surprise right there. Yeah. <laughs> now, to his credit. But he also he got says, a story for the rest of his life. Exactly. And he says that he stayed there with. And he always referred to her as her. 
And he stayed there with her the whole night. They did not continue on with any, you know, amorous activities. But he did stay there and talk with her the rest of the night. And that's mm. that's the, the sum of his story there. Mm-hmm. But he he told me it was true, and I'll you know the thing is I'll I'll believe that, and uh, I'll go off with that. That that that's my cool Adam West story. I've got a, see I've got a cool. Um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on the guy's name that played Dick, played Robin. Oh, um, oh, Burt Ward. Uh, yes, Burt Ward. Ward. Just a, about. Uh, four four years ago, uh, I took Christopher to a convention here. We were looking for two very specific things. The, you know, they've started making those uh, three uh, three feet tall Superman and Batman plastic things. Now they're all over the place. They're stormtroopers, Darth Vader, whatever, yes. and they're, they're three, four, and five feet tall. Well, we were looking for. They had a Superman Returns, Brandon Ruth, Ruth Ralph. I don't know. Uh, Brandon Ruth uh, Superman that you could get. That was the only one that was out at the time. And they weren't being sold in the stores anymore. So the only place you could find them was probably at a convention. And on top of that, my son just has this incredible Robin thing. He thinks Robin is the coolest action for Robin and Nightwing. Dick Grayson specifically is the coolest superhero that there is. And he still believes that today. Um, so we were at this convention. We actually found the, the Brandon Ruth Superman and got that for like $10, which was a steal. And then as we're walking around, we found another place that had action figures, and they had a George Perez Robin action figure out of box, and they wanted 10 bucks for it, so I bought that. And we'd gone up several flights to the, the area where they had all the conference rooms because that's where they had all the things with the stars because – my uh, daughter, Sarah, was going to see the guys from uh, Supernatural. And so, like, Jared Padalecki and uh, Jensen Eccles were up there or whatever, and she's going to see them. So we go up there because she's supposed to be coming out, and we're going to go to a Firefly panel or something. And while we're up there, we see Burt Ward sitting at a table with his handler, and then Adam West was just leaving the area, and so was uh, Laura Vandervoort, who played Supergirl on Smallville. And she in person is amazing. To, just to see her in person, she is. She it's like she glows or something. She's so bright. But Bert Warb is sitting there, and he saw my son had the uh, the Robin action figure, and he says, "Hey guys, what's going on?" And so I bought uh, a picture and got him to autograph that. And his handler wanted like fifty bucks for it, and he gave us a discount. And then when his handler wasn't looking. He grabs the action figure out of Christopher's hands and autographs the back of that for him, and says, "Shh," because the the handler will try to charge fifty bucks for that too. So it's like I've got a cool Adam West story. I've got a cool Burt Ward story. Batman and Robin is cool, <laughs> but that's that's that. I mean, just Burt Ward was really cool to do that. I thought that was really really cool. But um, back at this uh, other show though, in '95, we're walking around. The, the dealer's room. There's two two dealer rooms, a big one and then a small one. And the big one was the one where all the, the real stores and shops had gotten their their tables out. And you walk around there and everything is, you know, priced pretty high, especially on a, on a Saturday. Everything is at full price. You're not getting deals. Nobody's wanting to talk things down. And um, I saw one table where they had the gold edition deluxe Megazord. And they wanted like $150 for it. 
yeah, it sounds about right. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, hell no. You know, and we walked around that one for a while and I just didn't see any other, you know, deals. And that guy kept telling me every time I tried to offer, give him a lower offer, I think 60, 70, whatever, he goes, look, you're not going to get any cheaper than this. And we walked over to the other dealer's room and that's the crap room. That's where, you know, you're a comic book collector. You've had your collection for, you know, 20 years and you're wanting to sell it. So you just rent one table there and you put all your boxes there. You say, okay, every book's, you know, whatever. And uh, you've got a copy of the, the price guide sitting there. So if somebody comes across one of your expensive books, you can sit there and, well, this is how much it goes for. I'll sell it to you for that. But there was one table that was in the center. It was an island. And there was a guy sitting there that I actually knew. And I saw the Deluxe Megazord, the actual one I was looking for, all red, uh, on top of the, the display. And so I sat there and just talked to him about a bunch of different things for a while, just kind of asking him, how much did they sell on this? How much and he's just making up prices off the top of his head. Just, you know, not you know, not really look like he's giving any thought. And so what's that? That's kind of cool. And he goes, oh, 50 bucks. And I'm like, hey, you think you guys take a check? And he goes, sure, just make it out this, you know, this guy. And so I paid him the $50 and got that and Rachel and I ran out of there as quickly as we could and I would have uh, so I I walked that. right by the guy with the $150 one being just like hello <laughs> oh you <laughs> no, told me I'd never get a cheaper price I walked 70 feet <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't think of that I wish I had but it gets better because uh, you know I, I call Scott I tell him hey I got this so he meets me and he gives me the the money for it and takes it and then a couple days later I get a call from my bank and they need me to come in and I'm like what and they said well we found something wrong with one of your checks and we want you to see if you can help help us with this and so I go in there and the guy tried to change it from a 50 to 150 because the guy that sold it to me uh, was not supposed to have the right to barter, negotiate. Oh, and it's so he, he, yeah, the, the owner of the table, he tried to change it to 150. So they wanted me to sign it over to them so they could prosecute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so I, I wound up not paying anything for it right. and actually getting $50 for my trouble, which basically paid my admission to the con. <laughs> so it, it worked out all, all together. Raleigh got his toy, and he was happy that he played with it for years. I mean, he kept it for, he still has it, as a matter of fact. Or at least his mother kept it in the shrine that she calls his room. Everybody was coming.
If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O. T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S You can email 2TrueFreaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com 2TrueFreaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and a number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Where have you been, Lord, friend my son? Oh, make my bed soon, for I'm weary from hunting. <coughs> 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 <coughs>